change the world, change the world. Oh, yes, we can. We can change the world. We can change the world, change the world. We this is the Santita Jackson Show. everybody. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It's a joy to be with you today. Oh my goodness. Can you believe we're this deep into January? It's just hard to believe. I'm Santita Jackson coming to you from WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive and AM 950 Radio, the voice of Progressive Minnesota. We're five days away from New Hampshire, a couple days away from Iowa. The Republican primaries are in full swing, but we're looking at the Democrats today. Why are we looking at the Democrats? Because the Gallup poll shows us something very interesting. For the first time, uh, Democrats are at a very, very, are at very low end when it comes to how people self-identify as Democrats. 27% of, of registered voters say they're Democrat. 27% of Republicans, the plurality, say that they're independent. Now, the Republican numbers have risen by two points. We've got to look at that. If we want a Democratic presidential and other victories in the fall. So let's talk about that. What is going on? Why are Biden's numbers continuing to sink? Why is he losing black voters, particularly black men? And, you know, if you read the news stories, they will tell you, yeah, Trump's a racist, but at least he'll get me what it is that I need. I don't care about the rest. Because, see, black people are very accustomed to racism. You don't like it. You push back against it, yada, 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 all of that. That having been said, guess what? We live with it. What we want are the deliverables now. So what's going on? Why are Latino voters and Asian voters reaching out to Trump more and more? What are the Democrats not doing? What must they do in order to uh, in order to make things right? Hmm. I want you to call me at seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. What is the issue that matters most to you? Is it the democracy or the economy, or is it both, or does one edge out the other? What about January sixth? Does that matter to you as much? Um, what about our the money that we continue to give to Ukraine and to Israel? What about immigration? What about the border? What about migrants in your towns and cities? What about, what about, what about? What are the issues that really, really you want to see receive focus and receive the highest priority coming into 20? 24. We're right here, everybody. New Hampshire's five days away. The Democrats don't really have a meaningful primary. That doesn't mean that Democrats aren't thinking because they're not enthusiastic about the presumptive nominee. There's something wrong about that. The, oh my goodness, I'm afraid of Trump message is not going to work in 20. Both in 2020, we can't elect him. Mm-mm. We already lived with him. And you really can't tell black people that because black people went through slavery. There is nothing else you can throw at black people. We've done it all. We've experienced it all. We've endured it. And we've survived. 
and so has the Republic. So let's talk about that. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. Let me know what your thoughts are. Why are Democrats polling so low? Why is Biden polling so low? Is Biden pulling down the party? Or is a message that Democrats ought to be talking to working class people and more than that, poor people? But they're not. They're not. So let's talk about that today. And, of course, we'll have Dr. Maxwell talking about the economy and the Republican primaries, what he sees. So call me at 773-763-9278-773-763-WCPT. I want to know what your thoughts are today because we have got a lot to talk about. Let's get some of these headlines out the way. Henry, let's get them out the way. Let's get them out the way. Well, uh Pakistan said it carried out strikes inside Iran. It targeted what it called terrorist hideouts in southeast Iran today, killing multiple people. Two days earlier, Iran struck targets inside neighboring Pakistan. Now, it's really surprising because these two neighbors have been friendly. But tensions in the Middle East are threatening to boil over, and they are becoming regional conflicts. This becomes very challenging because, remember, our oil comes through there. And if our oil, if the straits that our oil comes through get blocked, that means they're going to have to go through the Cape of Good Hope in Africa, which extends the trip by 8 to 10 days, which means we're going to be paying quite higher gas prices. Think about and fuel prices and on and on and on. A federal judge threatened to throw Donald Trump out of court yesterday. He refused to keep quiet during writer E. Jean Carroll's testimony at his defamation trial. Carroll alleges that Trump defamed her after she accused him of sexual assault. In other Trump news, a Maine judge put off deciding whether the former president can appear on Maine's primary ballot, saying the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, must rule on the issue first. A Chinese scientist filed the coronavirus sequence weeks before its official release. Hmm. What happened? According to the Washington Post, the scientists tried to publish the virus's genetic profile two weeks before Beijing formally released the sequence. Federal documents shared yesterday showed that they may, may have slowed work on tests, treatments, and vaccines. And it raises new questions about China's transparency at the start of the pandemic. Catherine, Princess of Wales, had abdominal surgery in London. The wife of the future British king is hospitalized and will probably not resume duties for months, everybody. She'll be hospitalized, according to some reports, for two weeks. We're praying for that family. It's unclear what procedure she had. And now King Charles III is scheduled for a procedure next week to treat an enlarged prostate. He has come forward with the pop with this with this information, they're typically quite quiet, quite private. He said because he wants people, men in particular, to to get their prostates checked since this becomes an issue, an issue as more and more men get older. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278. Let's talk about these issues today. What's the big issue in 2024 and why aren't the Democrats doing better? In Chicago, it's going to be positively spring-like today, everybody. 23 degrees above zero, but cloudy. Minneapolis-St. Paul, 8 degrees above zero, but cloudy. And in the NBA tonight, the Bulls will be playing the Raptors. But last night, the Timberwolves are triumphant over the Pistons, 124-1. to 17, and after a postponement, the Chicago 
team will be facing the Sabres tonight, and the Wild will be facing off against the Lightning. We have got Pastor Darius Brooks, Pastor Darius Brooks of the Great Grace Central Church, and we were in Detroit last week, and people were so excited when they heard that I had Darius Brooks with me. They said, wait a minute. We want to talk to him, and I'm not mad about it. This is one of the legends um, in the world of, of Christian, Christian music, and we're so glad that he's with us every week. And um, you are getting food to hundreds of people every week. I'm sure you are surprised by the numbers because so many people need so much Pastor Brooks. I mean, and are the numbers growing every week very quickly before you tell us how we can get it and you give us the good news? Absolutely. Every week, Santita. And we're excited. Uh, last week, we did almost 450 families. Um, the Tuesdays from, Tuesday from 5 till 7, and Wednesdays from noon till 2, Grace Central Church, 102.16 South Kitchener Street, Westchester, Illinois. Every Tuesday, often, we hear about people doing it on the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year, Santita. We do it every week with a staff and a team. It was really cool. I could not believe that the first Tuesday into the new year, it would be that many people. It was cold. It was almost eight, eight I believe, below zero. Do you know all people were out there coming to get food? And although a lot of people closed their doors, the Spirit of God says, get up and tell your staff that we got to open up. And Santita, I honestly thought, well, nobody going to show up. Girl, when we got there, yeah. I'm like, and our staff was like, we can't delete it. I say, no, y'all, God needs servers and not people that will go with the flow. But those that will hear God, because if I wouldn't have opened those doors on that cold Tuesday, Santita, I have no clue of the people who really needed that food and how they would have been worried. God speaks to our hearts. So every Tuesday from 5 till 7, we feed eight different townships. If you know anybody who needs food, Grace Central Church, GraceCentral.net, GraceCentral.net, and on Wednesdays for seniors so they can come out and eat. Santita, I'm excited about studying all of the Word. I don't study the Word uh, to be a religious person. I study the Word for direction and guidance. I often share with Grace Central, if God is our source, or we say it, or we believe it, there must be a trusting and an obedience to it, also a revelation of it, that it makes sense out of this journey we call life. St. T.D. Ecclesiastes 12, 12 says, Solomon said, my son, be aware of anything beyond these, of making many books, there is no end. Much study is worrisome to the flesh. And Santita, I, I studied that and I understood it. And I, if I had to use my thought this real quick uh, uh, this morning, when eating from everyone's table, when eating from everyone's table, he was sharing that a lot of times getting a lot of information really cannot help you with your immediate situation that's really important that's in front of you that you live with, do with every day. And often because we're all over the place trying to do everything, we're really not supposed to do everything or be doing everything, Santita, we're really supposed to be doing something. Santita, it's important and my responsibility to protect the unity of my family, my church, and my surroundings. Most of our stress comes from not what's happening, but how we respond to everything that's going on. Wonderfully, God's word assists us in making sure that the things we concentrate on is real important 
represent either, uh, that we pay attention to what we focus on. Uh, uh, and there are a lot of things and a lot of places to do. We find ourselves trying to do everything and see the negative beliefs and our behavior act as criminal. Don't let what someone else know about you take away what's great in you. And don't let all that's going on around you keep you from focusing on what's important to you. We may do damage by trying to do everything, but character is knowing how to focus on something. Mm. Amen to that. But you know, that is so difficult. It's also, I think, that when people get into study, they get so deep into it, you you almost become obsessed. Uh-huh. How exactly. do you, how do you, how, where do you draw the line? How do you know to draw the line? Well, the first thing you draw the line is understanding what's happening. Studying is a great thing. As a matter of fact, the Word of God tells us to study. The, the, the challenge is trying to study and do everything when in actuality what you need to study and focus on first is Santita getting up in the morning, brushing her teeth, writing down her agenda, the things she wants to accomplish that day, Tuesday, Wednesday. I was laying in the bed right before I talked to you, and the Spirit of God was speaking to me. He's knowing the word is so amazing. He says, Darius, tomorrow will handle itself. And I said, God, that is crazy amazing, but how? He says, watch this. Whatever you do today, it sets up for tomorrow. You can't mess with tomorrow. Tomorrow handles itself. So what I focus on today to do tomorrow, what I do is already in tomorrow. And what I don't do is already in tomorrow. If I don't pay a bill today, Santita, tomorrow's day is already set. They call and say, you pay your bill. But if I pay the bill today, tomorrow they won't be calling me. And when I studied the word, I said, that's amazing. The word of God says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will handle itself. It's kind of sort of like the thing. Some folks that thought they was going to wake up today didn't. And some folks that thought they weren't going to make it did. Studying the word of God is so crazy amazing. And this scripture particularly is talking about, hey, you good, but stop trying to do everything. And find some time for, for your your house, vacation, two days to slow down. Watch this. Even every month, we should we should do a detox. I mean, sometimes we're so busy doing so much, everything we will not take care of ourselves. If you don't take care of yourselves, you won't have it tomorrow. So he says, I ain't mad at you for studying or doing uh, stuff, but be careful of everything that you're trying to do and create a kind of character that you can focus on, not necessarily everything, but something. And one of the things you focus on first is health. Gentile, I think you and I was talking about over the weekend, we was looking at family feud, and they say, what are some of the most important things that you'd like to have if you had an opportunity? Some said money, some said more love, some said more friends, some said my family getting together, and one person said health. If I can have anything over all of those, I'd like to be healthy in my thoughts and healthy in my body. That's focus on something. Everything else will follow. Everything else will happen. Hmm. Well, it's something to think about because you don't think about your health until you don't have it. And that's the thing. You don't. I mean, because, you know, because I think that we've also become so focused on, you know, well, the thing is, look, 
We need our money. We need all these things. And that's why I think it's important also as we get this food, data, people have to get engaged in this elect in this electoral process so they can so you won't need food lines. Um, there's a there's a lot going on right now. That's why I asked you if the numbers are growing, and I'm sure that they are because I know what people because <laughs> I know people, and I know folks are struggling out here. You know, and every week you keep telling me you're seeing more and more people every week, and that is a whole that's a lot. It is, and, and wonderfully, our staff is so, oh my goodness, they're volunteers for Santita. We really couldn't do it uh, without them. Great Central, all y'all that's listening, our staff, we love you guys. Thank you, thank you so much. And that's that focus I was talking about. Because trying to do everything, I'd have been like, I ain't going out. Mm-mm. The word of God says, open those doors. These people need food. So I focused on something. It helps when you focus. When I say something, I'm really saying something important that needs to be done over everything that we're thinking about that's not important. Essentially, I've learned there's some things I want to do, and there are some things I need to do. That something are the things that you need to do where you won't get taken off your square by doing everything. We're not supposed to be doing everything. We're supposed to be doing something. Well, how can we how can we worship with you, and how can we contribute to this food ministry? GreatCentral.net, uh, info at GreatCentral.net. Is, you can dial us. You can also dial us on uh, Grace Central Church. Uh, that would help us greatly. Uh, 102.16 South Kitchener Street, Westchester, Illinois. Every Sunday, 10.30 till noon, 10.30 till noon. Uh, uh, and you can also watch us on Facebook, uh, as well as all of those other entities. But you can watch GreatCentral.net or GreatCentral.net. Gazelle, Cash, Appas. You can also visit us on Sunday, 1030 till noon, 10216 South Kitchener Street, Westchester, Illinois, every Sunday. Well, you know, people, uh, this is when, you know, these love offerings really do matter. They really, 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 really do. Uh, they need they need you to help them help everybody else. So please consider uh, putting uh, this great church just in your budget. Because they really are doing the work and they, you know, help the people who are helping the people. How about that? Let's talk. Amen. So, so appreciate you. Love you, Pastor Darius Brooks. Everybody, let's talk about election 2024. I want to hear from you. Why are the Democrats not cleaning up right now? What is the deal? What is the deal? Why are the numbers falling more and more for Democrats? Why are blacks embracing Republicans more and more? Particularly black men. <laughs> Let's talk about it. And Latinos and Asians. And specifically, they're embracing former President Trump. Let's talk about it on the Santita Jackson Show back in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. We are 
Coming to you from WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station at AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. I am Santita Jackson. It is a joy to be with you today. Uh, and I want to talk with you today about the election. Many of us are looking at the, or we're not looking at this um, Republican race, which is taking place. They have their primary season, so there is excitement on that side of the aisle. Everyone is talking about who's going to be number two, or can Nikki Haley rise to the top and um, and beat out Trump? I mean, what do you think? There's just a whole lot going on here. But what I want to find out from you is what you think about what's happening on the Democratic side of the aisle, or maybe what is not happening. Gallup found something very interesting. Uh, now the Democrats are polling lower than they have, I guess, since they've been measuring. Only 27% of registered voters identify as Democrats, matching the 27% who identify as Republicans. Now, mind you, Democratic numbers have fallen, but Republican numbers have risen by two points over the past couple of years. So something is going on here. The plurality of Americans, though, say, look, I'm an I'm an independent. Both parties, ah. Even though independents tend to lean Republican, they are also open to uh, just other other candidates. So what do you think about that? Why are Biden's numbers falling? Why are they falling? And is he creating a drag on the ticket? In 2024, you could say, we've got to get Trump out of there. Okay, you can't say that in 20. I mean, excuse me, in 2020, you could say, got to get Trump out of there. What is going to happen to us if he gets back in? 2024 people are not hearing that. And particularly, interestingly enough, black men are not hearing that. I was reading a Guardian article, and um, one of the persons interviewed, black man, said, look, I know he's racist. I don't care about that. I need him to come through for me on the economy. I can't feed my kids. Can't feed my family. I need you to look at immigration. I need you to look at inflation. I need you to look at matters of racial justice. I need you to look. I need you to look at all of these issues. So, what is the issue that is most pertinent to you? And why do you think Asians and Latinos and blacks are migrating more and more to the Republican Party? What are the Democrats not doing? Not doing. What must they do to regain favor in the black community? Where is this coming from? There are more and more and more and more articles about it. So let's talk about it. On the Santita Jackson Show, I want you to call me. I want to hear from you, too. Not to, I need to hear from you. What are your thoughts? 773 763 9278, 773 763 WCPT. We've got Dwight McKee, social scientist. We've got Reverend Dr. Todd Geary, uh, pastor and lawyer. We've got uh, Attorney Daryl Jones, who is also a, the chair of the, well, indeed one of the leaders on voting rights in the United States. Do we have Ari Wilcats up? Okay, let's get him. Okay, let's get him up because he's reaching out to me right now and he's saying that he's ready. But let me just start with you, Dwight, because this is something that you predicted four years ago before the, before the election. You you foresaw problems for the Democratic Party with respect to the black vote. And um, what 
is going on and why do you think he's also having trouble uh the democrats are also having trouble with the latino vote and with the asian vote i mean more and more people are migrating away from the party dwight what did you see what do you see well we predicted this what's going to happen there are real reasons uh they're not emotional reasons they are legitimate reasons that there's been a kind of a, a read uh, orientation. Part of it is because for the uh, Hispanic group has been a migration issue. Uh, they don't like how Biden, many of them, how Biden has dealt with the migration issue. They don't see this being a issue of priority for him. Uh, and they understand the urgency of it for their people. And so they expected more out of him, I think, than they feel like they're getting. And so they, for that reason, a lot of blacks bucked because they didn't believe that their deliverables were uh, were legitimized. You know, there was no speech of reparations. There was, uh, more importantly, that in our in his disdain for reparations, he was willing to pull together billions and billions of dollars and send them over to the Ukraine and to uh, Jerusalem, Israel. And blacks saw that as a slap in the face. They saw that as fundamental racism because you, you argue that you don't have the resources or the money to... Uh, to deal with reparations issue, you all all you ever want to do is put together a study group, and yet without a study, without research, without anything other than a commitment, you send these hundreds of millions of dollars over to these other countries for war. So you lose black support. The young people, because you didn't really deal extensively, they thought in their minds with the. Uh, uh, forgive the debt, student debt issue. And many of them uh, thought that you would be much more committed to that and they'd be able to see much longer range uh, commitment to the forgiveness of student, student debt. <laughs> and so they became just done over the book. And then the air books book because of the his, his assault on Israel, his co-signing the assault on on um, on the Gaza. And so many of them who are strategic in the swing states like Michigan, like Ohio, they have bucked and decided they will either go Republican or not go at all. And and uh and so what you find now is you find as many independents as they are Democrats, and you find an increase in participation on the Republican side, and Biden is really kind of against the ropes. And then lastly, as I predicted and, and, and Robert predicted, is those trials would help Trump, because people will see that as the, that dark state assaulting Trump and assaulting liberty and would be the, a calculated effort to keep him off of the ballot and that would help him. 
And again, we argue from day one, don't make a monster into a martyr. And that's exactly what happened. And once that happened, his numbers went up. He started out behind Biden. He ended up in front of Biden. Because as we forewarned, if you if they played it that way, the backlash was going to work against the Democrats and for Trump. And he's played that masterfully. Going to court every day? Is he going to miss his mother-in-law's funeral or not? I mean, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Our panel has expanded beyond uh, Attorney Daryl Jones and and uh, Reverend Dr. Todd Murray S. Uh, Todd. We now have Ari Blomkatz, part of the Jackson, part of the Sanchez Jackson family. So we're so glad to have you, executive editor of In These Times. And uh, you brought two new family members to the show. Indeed, we're going to have Natasha Ullman up shortly. But we have Ann Rumberger, and I'm so glad that she is with us, organizer for Chicago for Abortion Rights. Ari Blomkatz, before we bring on Ann, your thoughts about 2024. Good morning, Santita. My overall thoughts about 24 right now is, you know, we've got some Republican primaries right now that we know don't matter at all. Um, we, that the situation on the Republican side is completely foretold right now. We know that the, uh, there's only one winner here, and that winner is Donald Trump um, for the Republicans. And we also know right now that Donald Trump is sitting fairly pretty. Um, if I'm... Trump right now, I'm doing very little. I'm opening my mouth very little because my competition is completely self-destructed. And it's only to my benefit right now. And we're seeing the Democrats having really, really slim chances all over the place. And, you know, I think a real question right now is, you know, how is Biden and the Democrats going to turn this around if they can turn it around at all right now? And the answer to that seems pretty clear, which is they immediately need to reverse course in Gaza and uh, and find a another way out of here and find a way to uh, get secure an immediate ceasefire this, uh, here as well. So, you know, we're seeing the Democratic Party in complete freefall right now, complete self-destruction. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, if, I'm not really sure what you could do to actually try and hand the election to Trump any differently. It's almost like if there was a playbook right now that was basically, okay, how can the Democrats help Trump win the election? I would do pretty much everything Biden and the Democrats are doing right now, just pretty much step by step. And it's sort of bewildering to think about why um, this is happening. And, you know, one of the things I'll I'll mention briefly, happy to talk about it more as we continue on this morning, but we're also seeing an American public right now that is really, really struggling. We're seeing an American public right now where poverty is the fourth leading cause of death. And I think that's just like really important context to think about right now as we're thinking about, you know, the future of Democratic Party, the future of the Republicans, and who's going to be president right now, which is that fundamentally baseline in the United States, people are really, really struggling. And it's really disturbing to me that we've got, you know, obviously the Republican Party, but also a Democratic Party that 
seems to be so self-interested that it's really not providing the relief that American families and working people need. And, um, you know, I think that we're in trouble, you know, Democrats, progressives are in serious trouble for 2024. Oh, boy. Call us at 773-763-9278. 773-763-9278. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. If not, please... Correct me. Is it Ann Wimberger or Rumberger? Rumberger, yeah. Thanks so much, Santita, for having me on the show. And thank you for being with us. I mean, I just, I don't hear a lot of hope on the Democratic side, uh, on the presidential level, right? Um, talk to me. I mean, because the Dobbs decision, you know, overturning Roe v. Wade, Many people said, ah, that would never happen. When you had these Supreme Court justices, when they were being vetted by the U.S. Senate, oh, no, that's settled law. We're not going to touch it. Of course they touched it. They overturned it. And it's becoming an issue for Republicans, Democrats, and independents. Do you see that? Do you, do you see that's the looming large in 2024? And if so, is there any other issue that you think might really, really move the needle? for Democrats, if not on the presidential level, state legislatures, U.S. Senate, U.S. House of Representatives, and? Oh, absolutely. I think abortion access is a hugely important issue. Uh, I mean, most people, the majority of people in this country want abortion access. They want abortion to be legal and accessible. So 61% of voters actually disapproved of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, which is huge. And the majority of people say that abortion access has become way too difficult. Um, and that's true, especially for young people. So voters, you know, aged 18 to 29 are very disillusioned with the Democrats and they really support abortion access. So I, I do think that the Democrats have a really big opportunity if they can prove and show that they materially support abortion access and reproductive justice. Um, it's a really big opportunity for them. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of the polls that we're seeing now looking at young people, um, young voters are, you know, are less likely to vote. They're very disillusioned with both Biden and they don't like Trump. I think a lot of voters, you know, really care about the, uh, the attacks in Palestine. They really care about climate change, about gun violence, about health care, um, and about reproductive rights. Um, so the, the thing that I think Democrats could especially do is both support nationwide legislation for abortion rights, um, and they can also put abortion-related referendums on their state ballots next year. Mm. So there's been a lot of interesting conversations um, about how the, the last state referendums related to abortion, I think there have been six state referendums um, related to abortion rights uh, since Dobbs uh, um, happened in June 2022. And those have all passed, even in red states. So it's a really winning issue. Um, we also saw last year uh, during the Senate campaigns that uh, in Kentucky, the governor, Andy Bashir won re-election. And part of that re-election was attributed to his positive stance on abortion and protecting abortion rights. 
Um, and then in Virginia, also, um, the Democrats won uh, both houses uh, of the state legislature, and that was partly because they were so vocal about supporting abortion rights. Um, so I think a big thing that Democrats could do is put abortion-related referendum on their state ballots next year. And I think a lot of states are considering this. I know there are two states already that have planned to have abortion-related referendums on the ballot next year. Um, that's New York and Maryland. And another 11 states are considering it. I mean, it's very important for swing states um, especially to consider putting abortion-related uh, referendum on their state ballots. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. You know, and then also I think that uh, Democrats need to be working on um, reducing the stigma around abortion. You know, I think that they have moved a lot um, just in the last five years. Like we now hear a lot of Democrats come out in support of repealing the Hyde Amendment, um, which would be huge and, and make sure that, you know, Medicaid payments can go towards abortion care. So that actually would help uh, make abortion more accessible for poor people, and that is extremely important that everybody has access to uh, reproductive health care and abortion care. Um, and I think we also need Democrats to uh, work on their language. So, you know, work on destigmatizing abortion, especially later term abortion care um, is still very stigmatized. Um, and I think the Democrats could do a lot uh, to make it clear that they support uh, abortion care throughout a person's pregnancy, especially later abortion care, which mostly affects people who have health conditions or who have uh, a fetus with a, a, um, a fetal abnormality and they need care for, you know, for health-related reasons. We still see that care very hard for people to get, even in blue states where abortion is legal. That care is still very hard for people to get. Um, so I think those, there's a lot that Democrats can do uh, to make it clear to voters that they really stand uh, behind reproductive justice and, and reproductive health care. Um, and I think a lot of young people especially are very interested in having their abortion rights protected, but they're also very interested in reproductive justice issues, which makes it easier for people to choose to have children if they want to have children and to be able to raise those children um, in safe and healthy environments. So that means things like paid family leave and paid sick leave and higher minimum wages, uh, more money for reproductive health care, uh, you know, a focus on racial disparities in reproductive health care and on lowering the black maternal um, health uh, rate is very important mm -hmm. as well. So a lot of people feel that they want to have children, and that's out of reach for them because it's so expensive. There's no uh, universal health care. We don't have universal daycare. So things that could, you know, kind of go towards telling young people that they have, they actually do have a choice <clears throat> if they want to have children, <clears throat> that there'll be ways for them to have children and that the Democrats want to support all of those reproductive choices. And we don't see that a lot. Like we, we have not heard the Democrats, uh, you know, seriously make uh, progress on lowering health care costs, uh, which would go a, a long way, you know, um, I think we really do need we need uh, universal health care and we need paid family leave and we need, uh, you know, affordable daycare for people to actually decide to have children and have an easier time taking care of them. So there's a lot that we can do. And, you know. 
No, no, no. I completely yeah. agree with you. Because to me, when we look at abortion rights, we're only looking at a portion of the issue. The fact is we don't support women and men when we have family decisions to make. I mean, that's just because that's what it comes down to. In other countries, you get pampers for heaven's sake. <laughs> you know, you get Absolutely. Care, you get postnatal care. They don't kick you out the hospital after a day. Your afterbirth bites you, might still be inside of you. If it is, it'll kill you. So it's like, wait a minute, are you all are you all trying to save lives or what? I mean, are you trying to enhance our lives or what? Yes, no, what? You know, and I thank you for that because we've got to we've got to look at this globally, and um, and I'm, I'm thanking you for expanding the conversation, Anne, because that is what we need. Um, Attorney Daryl Jones, your thoughts for you? Is there a big issue looming large in 2024? And what what's the deal? I mean, why aren't why aren't Democrats setting the world on fire right now? Uh, thank you, Santita, and good morning. And I, I tell you, you know, it's really interesting because you know I, I wonder if part of what we're seeing now is what happens when you cancel or stop debates within the Democratic Party. Because, you know, if you had debates that were going on, you'd have a lot of the issues that are being raised now being heard, being addressed, people tuning in, people focusing on what it is that's going on. You know, so, so as it stands, the only thing that the American public, the American voters are hearing uh, is what's happening from the Republican uh, caucuses, from the Republican debates, what, what's being said, what, what's hitting the airwaves. That's what they're focused on. And as a result of that, you know, I, I believe that, you know, as, uh, as Ann was laying out, you're not hearing a lot of talk about uh, the Dobbs decision. You're, you're not hearing the, the talk about the reproductive health, what happened in Ohio, that 84% of the uh, black voters who were in Ohio came out supporting, uh, you know, um, uh, the, the, uh, the, the decision for a woman's uh, reproductive freedom. You're not hearing any of that. If you had the debates, you know, you, you'd be uh, hearing more information about the HBCU funding all times high, the, uh, the, the, you know, the voting rights issues, the student loan debt that was raised, the migration issue. All of these issues are out there. And right now, because there's no debate that's going on, because there's nothing that's happening to show the contest on the Democratic side, you're not hearing about any of this. And as a result of that, in cities like Chicago, in, in cities, uh, you know, different cities across the country, where you have this migration issue that, that's there, you're not hearing what's happening. You're not hearing the debate. You know, in the African-American community, uh, as a black man, you know, we believe in taking care of home before you take care of anything else. You've got to take care of home. When the migration issue, the question becomes, you're not taking care of the people within the city, but you're given housing and given supplies and all this other stuff to people that are not taxpayers, that are not U.S. citizens. That raises an ire in the, in the, in the mind of the African-American and the, and the uh, Latino American that's fighting to provide for their families. It's those very issues that are not being brought out right now because there's no debate. There's nothing going on uh, on the Democratic aisle, uh, side of the aisle because there isn't a real um, contest uh, that, that's going on there to force these issues out. And since there's no contest that, that appears to be going on, no real contest uh, that appears to be going on, we end up in this uh, in this cycle 
where we see uh, African-American men saying, well, you know, I need a strong leader. I need a strong economy. I need to stand up to know that my rights are being protected. Voting rights, all of this stuff that, that, that we've been feeling and being pushed on and feeling as though we're losing track on uh, right now over the last four years, that's what needs to be addressed. That's not what's being addressed. And so the black men and the black women are saying, we need somebody that's going to address these issues. That's what I think that uh, that's being experienced right now, Santi. Ooh, Reverend Dr. Huey, you got a lot to respond to when we get on the other side of the break. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. Let's talk about this, everybody. 2024, what issues do you want to hear discussed? Do you think that by not having a presidential primary, essentially, Dean Phillips is running? Okay, I know you don't know who he is, but he's out of Minnesota, AM 950 Radio, but he's running. And Robert Kennedy said, I'm out of here because this, this thing is so rigged. And Cornell West, too. So you took out viable candidates who would be stirring a discussion and <clears throat> Attorney Jones and Reverend Dr. Yeary and Dwight McKee and, and Ari. Um, guess what? Voter registration, too. That's all gone to the wayside. Are you serious right now? Do, do Democrats really want to win? Mm. Or are these corporatist parties somehow in bed with each other? I don't know. You call me. Let me know. 773-763-9278. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. We can change the world. Change the world. Change the world. We can change the world. We can change the world. Change the world. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. We're talking about the Democrats. Why are the Democrats struggling? Why are the Democrats struggling? The Gallup poll shows that Democratic uh, voters, self-identified Democratic voters, the numbers are falling. We're down to 27 percent. Republicans are up to 27 percent. But guess what? The independents are cleaning up. They're the ones who are who are really, really ruling the roost right now. But let's talk about that. What are the issues that you think need to be focused upon? Uh, Attorney Daryl Jones makes the point by not having that by not having a robust presidential primary, you miss debates, you miss voter registration, you miss talking the issues that get the electorate excited. Republicans are excited and they are getting more and more excited with each contest and getting ready for the fall. What are Democrats doing? Yeah, the crickets you heard. That's what I'm hearing. So let's talk about it. 773-763-9278-773-763-9278. We've heard from Dwight McKee, who predicted all of this. <laughs> we heard from Ari Blumkatz, uh, executive editor of In These Times Magazine, and Rumberger, uh, indeed a brilliant young organizer who really helped us to get, capture a global view of reproductive rights, reproductive rights. I'm so glad that you are here today. Reverend Dr. Todd Geary, Rainbow Push, and pastor of the Douglas Memorial Community Church in Baltimore, and uh, one of the leaders in voting rights in the country, uh, Attorney Daryl Jones, Chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition, we're of course going to hear from you, Reverend Dr. Erie, so you can take a deep breath and respond to all that you have heard. 
But um, let's get right to some of these headlines, everybody. Henry, take me away. Pakistan said it carried out strikes outside, inside Iran. It targeted what it called terrorist hideouts in southeast Iran today, killing multiple people two days earlier. Iran struck targets inside neighboring Pakistan. It's odd, everybody, because Pakistan and, and Iran have been getting along. What happened? Tensions in the Middle East, according to this Washington Post report, are threatening to boil over. What will that mean? Remember, we have ships over there, and military personnel, that is the United States. A federal judge threatened to throw Donald Trump out of court yesterday. Why? Because he refused to keep quiet during writer E. Jean Carroll's testimony at his defamation trial. Carroll alleges that Trump defamed her after she accused him of sexual assault. She wants $10 million. A main judge in other Trump news cut off, put off deciding whether the former president can appear on Maine's primary ballot saying that the United States Supreme Court must rule on the issue first. And those are some of the headlines. Everybody, Catherine Princess of Wales had abdominal surgery in London. She's expected to be in the hospital two weeks and uh, away from her social commitments for three months. Praying for that family today. And of course, Prince Charles is dealing with an enlarged prostate. Has he? He's come public with it. He will have a procedure with that to deal with that. He said he wants men to get themselves checked. Good for him. It's going to be positively balmy today in Chicago. 23 degrees and cloudy. That is above zero, everybody. And in Minneapolis, 8 degrees above zero, everybody. It will be cloudy. In the NBA, the Timberwolves were triumphant over the Pistons last night, 124 to 117. The Bulls will be facing off against the Raptors tonight. After postponement, postponement in the NHL, Chicago will be facing the Sabres tonight, everybody. And those are some of the headlines. What's going on with the Democrats? I want you to call me at 773-763-9278. Everybody's got their bailiwick, and um, we've heard a lot, but we have not heard from you, Reverend Dr. Todd Yeary. Whew. What are your thoughts? you got a lot to take in and respond to. Also known as Dwight McKee, who predicted all of this four years ago. People thought he was crazy. He said this was going to happen almost to the letter. He he did, and he continues to say that. First, good morning to you and and to my colleagues. So there, there's a whole lot going on in the in the political space, and let's let's kind of start with this uh, this dissatisfaction or this disinterest uh, that is expanding in the Democratic Party. I think a, a lot of that has to do with its own issues around messaging. We've spent a lot of time talking about the fact that the party does a horrible job of not only framing the issues, talking about their successes, but also talking about the difficulties they've been facing in getting some of these uh, policy matters addressed. And so they, they've seeded the messaging war uh, to the opposition party. Uh, that's been problematic from day one. We've been talking about it since day one. It continues even until today. So you have this kind of, it, it's like showing up, getting dressed on Sunday morning, fighting for parking for, on Sunday morning, and getting to the church, and the choir is sitting down, and the preacher ain't prepared. It's, it's just a hot mess. Ooh. So now you're mad, uh, and, you, and, you, and you just, you, you're blaming God. Uh, and so we, we have that as an issue. The other part is, is this, this, this 
down ballot harm, right? Some of the things that are affecting us, this Supreme Court is, is leaning so far right, it's a state's rights court. And the difficult issues, they're going to deflect back and say that's something, if it's a political question, it's for the voters to decide, it's for the states to decide. Well, we've taken our eye off the ball for so long that now we have this imbalance in terms of who's controlling state legislatures. And unless, as uh, Sister Rumberger has said, unless we get something to a ballot initiative, the voters themselves get to chime in, a lot of this is just dependent upon what's going to happen in the state chambers. And many of the legislators are in session right now. And so when we start looking at these issues, we've, we've narrowed our ability to understand how political engagement works, that we only expect full participation every four years. And if you miss the moment to talk about what you're doing or the challenges that you're facing or how the game gets played, then you have a disinterested electorate who's focusing on survival today. And so I was looking at a poll. I'm advising uh, a campaign, um, a a national campaign, uh, and we were looking at the data. How are we going to move the needle in terms of uh, the candidate's recognition, the candidate's impact? And what it said was almost three-quarters of the folks aren't even interested in the election right now. Why? Because they're still trying to figure out how they're going to pay their bills, keep the lights on, and afford food. Uh, after the expiration of all of the money that the federal government put in to, to help people through COVID, well, you took the net away, and now folks are in free fall. That's the problem. And when we start dealing with this, then there are folks that are like, look, the Republican Party has its issues. The Democratic Party has its interests, issues. I'm not interested in the two-party system anymore, so I'm going to sit out and see who's going to come with an agenda that's going to get my attention, and I'm going to withhold my vote until the time matters. And so there's this issue of, uh, of how do you do messaging. And the, and the real trick is, and this is the part that it, when, when Dwight talks about not making uh, uh, um, a monster into a martyr, is that the play into these different trials uh, 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 affecting the former president is what you've done is you've given him free media every day because mm. he's going to show up for these trials every day. He's going to hold a press conference every day. Basically, what he's done is he's made himself the president, even though he's not in office, because the media just following him around wherever he goes, waiting to see what he's going to say. And what it does is it gives folks a sense that, yes, he's being um, he's being vilified. He's being unfair, uh, unfairly prosecuted. He says he's being persecuted. But it also takes all of the attention off of everybody else. And what you have to do in that space is you have to reclaim. What, what, what did uh, uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters say when she had a chair? I'm reclaiming my time. This administration, the political reality is you're not reclaiming your time. You're not taking the mic back to be able to talk about what the issues are and to say to your base, this is what's really going on. And so it is poor strategy. It is horrible execution. And it is this kind of indifference that says, well, all I'm going to do is run around and do what I did last time. No, sir. You get a report card this time. You need to make the grade and make the case as to why folks should pay you attention and to say, I've gotten some things done. There's more work to be done. I'm the person to get it done, and here's why. We're not hearing that. And in the course, you've got folks that will be like, all right, when you finally get serious about whatever this is you're asking us to do, come back and talk to us. But in the meantime, i got to go to work. 
got to put food on the table. Uh, my light bill's going up. My food bill's going up. Uh, nobody seems to be interested in that. Uh, the student loan bill is about to kick back in again, and I've got something else to add to the mix. And I don't have time to focus on you. I'm trying to pay attention to what matters. That's what's going on. In the, rea- in the practical reality of folks that I see on Sunday morning and during the week, walking up and down the street around the church, they are trying to deal with survival. And because the parties are not talking about survival interests, how are you going to make it today? They're saying later for you, uh, and I'll hold, I'll hold out until somebody who gets my pain will get my vote. Hmm. That's a whole lot. Dwight McKee, why are, I mean, if this is something I'm hearing from a lot of Democratic operatives and Ari and Ann, I want everybody to weigh in. Uh, they're really perplexed by black men, for example. What, why, why are black men migrating? I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, someone who's very supportive of, of Push, Reverend, and he said, "You know, we're trying to get Trump to Chicago." I said, "So how are his Trump? How how are you, as a supporter, going to get him?" And why I didn't say. I said, "Look, I'm not beating you down about supporting him. Just tell me, you know, how how you gonna make this work? That's all I'm asking. I'm not trying to. You support who you want to support." And even Jamie Dimon yesterday said, "Look." Stop all this anti-MAGA talk. Y'all ain't helping nothing. People ought to be allowed to support whom they want to support. What is it that is attractive to black men about him? Well, Trump really reflects black men's aspirations more than Biden, almost more than anybody. You know, he's rich. He got his own airplane. Got an attractive wife, got functional children, has a uh, high profile. I mean, he's, you know, has a, two golf courses that he plays on every week. I mean, it, it, he is a rap star. He's really kind of a white rap star, which is why so many of the rap stars identify with him. Because those are a black man's ultimate aspirations. Secondly, identify with him because he's under such assault. And they see themselves in that. They've seen themselves uh, get get uh, unjustly arrested and, uh, and, and charged with crimes that are nebulous at best and railroaded off to jail, and they see that happening to him. And he plays that to a bus. I mean, the best thing you can do for a clown is to give him a circus. And that's what they've done for him. They've, you know, they've they've, uh, pulled out the the band in the tent. And he's, you know, the barker. He's come out with some lines and some elephants and turned it into a major league circus. He's P.T. Barnum on speeds. And so uh, they identify with that. And 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 then lastly, they're really kind of fed up with uh, the Republicans, I mean with the Democrats, because all so many unfulfilled promises, 
you know, Trump, the one thing you can say about him, boy, is he does what he says he's going to do, and he says what he's going to do, and he does what he says he's going to do. He, there's not a lot of holes barred with Trump. Trump says, this is, here it is, and this is what I'm doing. And black men identify with that as opposed to the Democrats, particularly Biden, who's so wishy-washy on issues. Oh, we don't have money for you all. Oh, we need to study the reparation issues. But here is $40 billion for the Ukraine. You know, oh, we can't let the, 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 the migrants in. Oh, we got to find something to do with the migrants. But he can bring in, you know, 100,000 Ukrainians and set them up with, with housing and, and, and jobs. And I mean, it's the, 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 the bipolarity is very uh, anti-progressive uh, behavior in the minds of blacks that are looking for more than answer. Yeah. So, I think we might have lost Santita, but you know, you know, one of the things that I'm curious about, uh, folks, and also, uh, you know, I forgot to say good morning to folks, and um, you know, uh, good morning, Dwight. Um, uh, great to be on with you, and Reverend Gary, and uh, Anne, and I think uh, Maddie's on um, as well. But you know, one of the things that sort of strikes me is, you know, I'm not sure the Democratic Party has ever really cared about black men um, in so many ways. I, you know, I feel like in general, the Democratic Party has taken black folks for granted, you know, cycle after cycle after cycle as black folks have continued to sort of bail the Democrats out. And, you know, one of the things that I'm thinking about is, you know, in states like Wisconsin, you know, we've got organizations like Block, um, you know, Black Leaders Organizing Committees and their executive director, you know, Angela Lang, who are doing just like incredible heroic work, um, you know, working with black voters and turning out the vote um, in Wisconsin, where the elections are being won by, you know, extremely slim margins. And I think, you know, one of the questions I have right now, and Dwight, I'm curious what you think here, is whether or not we're getting to a point at all um, in which black folks, black men, black voters are getting to a point where they're also having considerations around the lesser of two evils discussion, like the the lesser of two evils argument. I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are there. Well, what I'm hearing, and me and Nina talked about it for a minute, and me and Cornell talked about it for a minute, is I think blacks are on the point of being ready to start a third party. Uh, I think they don't see an answer in the Republicans or the Democrats, and they are open to the notion of a third party. But between the two parties, there is an acute dissatisfaction with the Democrats because blacks have been so loyal and it been a marginal difference for their victory. And once they get to the victory line, it's they, they're not invited to the party. They're part of the party, but they never get to the party. And so 
Um, I think there is, and, and Yuri, you can weigh in on this. I think there's just a rap, a uh, 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 major dissatisfaction between uh, black constituency and the Democratic Party. And even if it does not show up in them voting Republican, I think it's going to show up in the, no enthusiasm and them not coming out and them not being uh, shaken by the notion of a Trump presidency. As Sandy always says, we survived slavery. We ain't intimidated by Trump being a president. And he's no, been the president all. before and we survived that. And, and look, we keep getting disappointed. And the fact is, you know, I know I've heard many people say, you know, Reverend Jackson led black people into the Democratic Party. No, Reverend Jackson was the only one who was man enough to stand up to Reagan. He ran against Reaganism. Reagan opened his campaign in Philadelphia. One of his opening campaign stops was in Philadelphia, Mississippi. Ari, Anne, Natasha, Dwight. Uh, Todd and and um, and Daryl, there is no plane, there is no airport there, there is no train station there, there's no bus station there. You know what's there? The ghost of Goodman, Schwerner, and Cheney, that's where they were killed and martyred. No one would touch Reagan because he was so popular. And the Democrats were the only place where we had to go. But what people did not realize was all of the negotiating that you had to do, number one, you had an all-or-nothing primary system. You had to change the rules to make things right, which also helped to rebalance the Republicans. Because, oh, yes, we did have young black Republicans, or Jesse Jackson, headed by Armstrong Williams. Because black people had no space in either of the parties. Democrats took us for granted, and Republicans wrote us off. Now, 40 years later, we're in a different position. Now, the question is, where are we? And now white folks got black problems. So they're sick of the Democrats and Republicans, too. So what are we going to do? Natasha, I want you to speak to that. I know we're going to have Dr. Wolf on the other side, but I want you to speak to what is going on with the American electorate. Because the American electorate, is people are struggling. Ari, when you talk to black folks, Dwight, about democracy, our eyes crossed, we ain't never had that. Everything black people have fought for in America has made America move toward democracy. It has reinforced the republic. That is what we have done. So I don't want to hear about any of that because, you know, January 6th has happened to me many times. They're called lynch mobs, and they were after church services. So enough of that. The question is people cannot afford to put food on the table. The tuition at the University of Chicago is $100,000 a year. Who can afford to send their child there? And if you want to go to Harvard, you're going to have to be a wage slave. You're going to have to take out loans, which means you are not politically free. Now, you talk about being anti-democratic, and the Democrats blocked everybody from running so you don't even have a primary. How democratic is that? Are you serious right now? And then I've got an Indian American who's so afraid of being Indian that she doesn't want to be called by her ancestral name. She wants to be called by her anglicized name. She's afraid of Nemarata. Come on, y'all. Let's deal with the real issues that bedevil us. I'm Santita Jackson. Stay right here on the Santita Jackson Show. Back in just a minute. What's going on with the Democrats? What's going on? What do you want these parties to do for you? 
I don't care who you're voting for. I want to know what do you want them to do for you? What have they done for you lately? Have they brought down your car payments, your student loan payments? Can you afford to buy a house? No, you cannot afford to buy a house. In 99% of the counties in the United States, you cannot afford to buy a house. That was a CBS report from a month ago. Let's talk about that. How are we going to make things right? The American dream should not be my nightmare and Jeff Bezos' playground. Enough. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody, we're talking about the 2024 election. The Gallup poll says that Democratic numbers have fallen to a new low. Only 27% of voters self-identify as Democrats. Uh, the numbers have risen for Republicans to match Democrats at 27%. What's going on? The plurality. Don't want to be bothered with either party. They are independent. Uh, many lean Republicans, but they're independent. They are. Increasingly, that is the case. That is the case. We have a tremendous panel talking with us about this, and we've got a caller, and some. And he was able to wedge himself in, and so we're glad about that. But before we go, before we do, we've got our lines full, and I'm so glad that you have been with us today, indeed, there is no one who is really more at the forefront of our of securing our voting rights than you, Attorney Daryl Jones. Your closing thoughts. Uh, thank you, Santita. You know, as we prepare and we're in this election cycle now for 2024, one of the things we've got to be certain that we keep uh, keep in mind and, and pay close attention to is that voting rights today are under siege. Dearly, dearly under siege. Young voters, black voters, brown voters, their right to vote is being challenged. Catch this. Catch this. This is by way of an example. Now, if you live in Arkansas, Nebraska, uh, you know, Missouri, North or South Dakota, coming out of that eighth federal circuit has been a case from the Arkansas NAACP that has said that if there is an effigy of a black person hanging at a ballot box at a, at a polling place with the sign, don't vote, hanging, threatening, intimidating the voters, the voter has no right to bring the lawsuit to make them take it down, to say that you're interfering with my right to vote, to saying anything with regard to that effigy to intimidate that voter. That's what's out there right now. That's the law in those, in those states. You know, we have all kinds of uh, intimidations that are going on. We have uh, uh, all the absentee ballot intimidation that's going on, all the, you know, just so much that's going on right now across the country. We've got to take notice of it. We've got to take notice of it. And let me tell you, you know, we need the Freedom to Vote Act and the John R. Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act to address these very issues. But until and unless we have robust discussions to bring it all to the forefront, the majority of American people won't know it. It's time to understand the challenge that's there to our vote and check our, check our voting status and be certain we get to the polls and we get our vote on to have representatives that will look out for our interests. That's the way democracy works. We want a robust democracy. We got to vote for it. Thanks, Santita, and uh, and look forward to seeing everybody on the campaign trail. 
Oh, I can't wait to have you back tomorrow morning. Thank you very much, unless you are in court. <laughs> very good. Attorney Daryl Jones, chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition. He and Barbara Arnline have a wonderful show. Every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time on WOL Radio, please tune in. Uh, joining us before we even go to the call is we've been trying to get you, Natasha Ullman, and I'm so glad that we've got you, Natasha Elena Ullman. You are from In These Times, and um, you have a wonderful book, Abolish Ice, which takes us to the heart of an issue that is really Central to, I would say, the conversation in the United States today, migration, immigration, and on and on and on. Is there a tie between what's been done and what's not been done with migration and immigration um, and the Democrats really falling poll numbers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you so much for having me on. It's such a pleasure. Um, so here in these times, we just put on a roundtable on immigration and the upcoming election with some of the most brilliant activists and thinkers that I've met. Um, and over the course of the conversation, one thing that became really clear is that a Trump victory looks more certain by the day. I mean, between Biden's utter refusal to hold Israel for account to account in the face of mass slaughter and his, frankly, in my opinion, utter cowardice on immigration, I just have to ask, who does he think his base is? Who does he think is going to turn out on election day? Um, Carlos Rojas Rodriguez, a longtime immigrant justice activist and brilliant person all around, made a really essential point in our conversation. Um, he said that when Democrats have boldly fought for immigrant communities without apologizing, immigrant justice organizers were readily able to shift into electoral work to mobilize their people to show up to the polls. Um, and that's even when Democrats didn't win everything they were fighting for, but just having someone who was willing to take on that fight made such a difference. But when Democrats have allowed Republicans to kind of set the terms of the debate as they're doing now, well, like, what's the argument that activists can make to their base? Come support this guy who doesn't really care about you and your family, who would trade the safety and well-being of people in desperate search of safety for a funding deal? It's, it's obscene. And no matter how scared we all are of Trump, and I am, of course, but I just have to wonder, how does Biden expect to bring people to the polls if he sells at our communities? Even uh, during the roundtable, one of the people we spoke to was mm -hmm. Representative Delia Ramirez, and, and she had this brilliant quote I can't stop thinking about. She said, we have given in to the Republican narrative in such a way that we're beginning to sound like them. And honestly, with the exception of really fearless fighters like her, I think it's largely true. You could honestly play a game called, did a Democrat or Republican say this on immigration? And all too often, it is really hard to tell. Democrats have just allowed Republicans to set the terms of the debate. And frankly, wherever you stand on immigration, that's just bad strategy. Saying but deport them all versus Democrats saying have been deport most of them. No, no, I'm saying Democrats have been doing that with this right-wing shift for more than 40 years, right? I mean, we have Absolutely. been fighting against that. But they continue to, to take this corporatist lurch, and it is it's, it's killing the party. And people, too, by the way, because these right-wing policies are starving people out. I'm just saying. I don't know, Natasha. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think what it comes down to is that 
you know, Republicans saying deport them all versus Democrats saying, oh, deport most of them, but don't worry, we feel really bad about it. Like those aren't meaningful, meaningfully different statements to a voter. When you are accepting at face value that immigrants, people who just want the same things any of us want are a crisis, but you'll give me some platitude how it's all very sad and you feel bad about it. That <laughs> Democrats don't look like strong leaders capable of generating enthusiasm at the polls. They look like cowards. Mm. Let's go to Fred. Fred, what's on your mind today? I'm going to answer your question. Why? You there, Hi, Fred. Hello, yes. hello, and to you, and, and to your panel. I got 14 reasons, and I'm fast. Why a black man like me would never vote for Joe Biden? Number one, the Afghanistan pullout, inflation. You used to could make a thousand dollars a week and live in America. Six in, in Los Angeles, five to six dollar a gallon gasoline. You got to shop around to find it less. We got an empty strategic reserve. We got the war in Ukraine. Billions of dollars being thrown at it. Our armory is empty. Uh, he's given uh, Ukraine F-16 fighters. Uh, he's made enemies with world leaders. This is Biden. Uh, the border, we don't have to talk about the border. Just look on TV and see about all these illegals coming here to the detriment of all of America. He's given FEMA money to the illegals directly and by other Catholic churches and other charities. You got 7% mortgage rates. To buy a starter house in Los Angeles, you got to make $146,000, and you better have $200,000 in the bank for the down payment and to close it. And then my favorite, uh, for everybody that, that, that for the rich, they got a pay raise of fifty-five thousand dollars a year. They got five point five percent interest on every million dollars that they had parked. So if you're rich, you would like Joe Biden. But that's the reason why a black man would never vote for Joe Biden. Anybody want to respond, please? No, no. My question is: so you think that's why the numbers have just continued to grow because he had solid numbers in twenty twenty, um, and well, he, yeah. he had. He had he had some numbers in 2016, but they grew in 2020, and they're really 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 grown in 2024. Black America went out and voted for Joe Biden in, in 2016. That's what put him over the top. Now they realize what they've done. Or at least some of the people obviously have realized what they've done. I just gave you 14 reasons. Okay. No, well, I was just asking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right. Thanks, thank, Santita. Thanks for taking my call. As always. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, well, he has um, helped us to see something. I mean, does anyone want to jump on that? Do we have Dr. Max Wolf with us? Yeah. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Dr. Wolf, you know, we've been talking about the Democrats. Uh, we're looking at the Republicans. We're looking at a whole lot. Gallup has shown that Democratic numbers are falling. I mean, in fact, um, Democrats are not doing well. They're not faring well, and they're really not faring well with black and brown people and Asian people. So what what is going on? And then you've got at least a discussion on the, on the, on the think, yeah. Republican side. Look, I think our conversation, or the conversation this morning, the part of it that I heard, is a lot of the problem. So you have two people mad at the same president for dia- because they're sure that he holds diametrically opposed beliefs, giving everything away to migrants, doing nothing for immigrants. Right? 
right? So I think we've started to have a conversation nationally for a bunch of years, which was smart and it was framed by the conservative corporate media because it made this interesting. I get that, and that's good for business. About Joe Biden, where the idea is, is Joe Biden a charismatic leader who agrees with me, whatever I think, and whether I vote for the Democratic Party should hinge on how I feel about one elderly fellow in the White House, who I hold responsible for everything that's going on in the world, including apparently his lackluster election performance in 2016, where I feel he had a good excuse, i.e. he did not run. Right. Or things like the gas prices in California, which is a hard thing to lay at his feet. Lots of valid complaints. OK, but one thing. OK, let's just rebase our conversation. The vast preponderance of American presidents have been center right, mediocre, old white men. This, this whole discussion about Joe Biden is odd because he's an old, medi- potentially mediocre white guy. Like what did you guys miss the first 43 presidents? What did they teach you in school? An older, mediocre, center-right white man is called the American presidency. Occasionally, you have a breakout. You have a highly mentally ill dictator in training, which may be our next president, our last president. And you have a charismatic African-American guy who was there of great symbolic importance and was unusual to me, you know, whatever, one man's opinion, because he seemed quite deliberative and thoughtful. It'd be hard to accuse a lot of our presidents of those traits. So he did seem kind of interesting, Uh, obviously symbolically very interesting from a slightly different background, economically and from a more different ethnic background, interesting, and also just smart and deliberative, which I don't think we've usually been saddled with. But to me, the conversation is weird. It's too much about Joe Biden. Is the Democratic Party part of the progressive pushing left? No. When was it? Never. It never was, right? It's the party that can administer and run the U.S. empire because it isn't riven with corruption and medieval religious fantasy. That's center-right. And what usually makes you excited to vote for people in the Democratic Party is either you have a connection to them and you like what they're doing and they're pushing an agenda that you like, right? Or you are terrified of the alternatives. So I think the Democratic Party, to me, looks as vital as ever. It looks like it has standard leadership, and I look like it's proposing a standard American president. Now, you can say these are unusual times, I agree, and you can say you want to pass the test of of history, I agree. You can say we don't have a functional, humane immigration policy, also I agree, but we probably haven't had one of those for 90 years, right? So again, agreed, but I don't know why it's a Joe Biden story. As for Middle East policy, Intermittently, we have more or less the same policy we've had for 50 years in the Middle East. Lots of flaws, with one big exception, which is the present leader, a very problematic figure with uh, lots of dalliance with the far right and criminality and Netanyahu. He has built a relationship with the Republican Party, and they want to use that to win this election. And so there's a weird strategic decision. When you elect the president of a large global empire, his job is to keep the people who voted for him happy enough to do it again and to run that empire with relative efficiency. And this is pretty good. The alternative is also catastrophic. And yeah, you're told that every year, and this time it's true. And like, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean no one's out to get you. So I understand the upset. They're real. They're legit. I haven't heard anyone say anything that sounds crazy, except for maybe some things about who ran in which elections, which seem like more 
cut and dry, but they're minor. Everything everyone said makes sense. And I don't know what any of it has to do with whether or not you support the Democratic Party or Joe Biden. And I don't know what's special about Joe Biden, except for that if you wake up to a bunch of facts that have been true for 50 or 60 or 70 years, you have that zeal of the newly converted. And that's important. That passion is a driving force. And I think the Republicans have a cult leader who gets incredibly deep support. And the Democrats have a low to moderate with a big enthusiasm gap. Everything else here looks like on repeat. It's the refrain of a song. This country sung to its voters since it's let people vote. Obviously, different dates for women and people of color than white men, but that's been the refrain of the song of American elections for as long as we've let folks vote. But, you know, we've always known that, you know, it's just the average white man, America was made for that. Uh, average that might be not, kind. Uh, might be slightly below no, average. No, I'll no, give you that. I, no, I'm, like, I'm, yeah. being, I'm being extremely kind because black people have always known we've had to be superior in order to be equal. Superior. Vastly women superior. too. But, yeah, probably but, women too. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. No, yeah, but I mean, women too, but women, black, black folks have had to be superior to women to everybody because we're all the way at the bottom. Now, that having been said, because we're the only ones who cannot integrate. Everybody else can integrate, Max. Everybody can pass into whiteness. Everybody but black people. So that having been said, what do we do? I mean, because now you, you're going to have people parade around and tell black folks that if Bill Biden loses, it will be our fault. And we need, we need to be afraid of Trump. We're not afraid of Trump. I've said this countless times. You're talking to a people who endured and survived slavery. You cannot frighten black people. We, you've thrown everything at us, and we have survived it all. Next. Where do we go from here? Because the corporates are running the place, and they're killing, they're killing everybody. People can't afford eggs. They can't afford a house. They can't afford to rent. What are we supposed to do now? So, so you're not going to like my answer, but I think my answer is, the passion of the moment, the all opinion, all the time news cycle, the social media, you got to put it down because all that is, is very, very good science at figuring out what gets you really excited, what image, what subject, what divisive subject, and it ends up being your whole life is microaggressions transgressed against you or your transgressions against other people. It's all a passion play. And I guess the annoying thing I'd say is, if you rely on the Democratic or Republican Party to solve your social and economic problems with the once every two to four to six, five, depending on the cycles you're on, with their elected officials, you will fail catastrophically. Whoever gets elected. Because the other problem is even if you elected somebody really good to one of these offices, assuming that they didn't have one of the security problems that have plagued such folks historically where a lone gunman decided to perform various lead surgeries on them or whatever other issue, assuming that they survived those particular pitfalls, which have not, has not always been easy to do, they would be gridlocked into a system designed to prevent their impulse or retard their progress, right? So I think the story is big social change is forced on leaders, and you just want leaders who might listen to it and won't respond to it with violence. And that's how you pick your candidate. The guy who isn't going to shoot you or silence you if you disagree. And that's kind of what democracy is supposed to do. Now, there's other things, but, you know, that's a start. Last thing I'll tell you is every group you care about and every group you don't care about will come back to haunt you. 
And America's just living through a tough period of time where stuff we got away with as a country, as an elite here, stuff that was gotten away with in globally by Americans and internally by Americans, whether that's men versus women, white versus black, rich versus poor, it's kind of coming out now, kind of too hard to hide. And I guess one of your guests gave you a phrase, which I'll rip off to try to acknowledge and you'll give the author proper credit, but I'm putting quotes around it to acknowledge it's not mine, which was just that COVID was a bit of a snitch. Right? I think America, I think a lot of things we all knew and were afraid of became impossible to not know anymore in the last bunch of years for a host of reasons. The decline of the U.S. in the world, the difficulty of economic life here, the reality of 50 years of upward wealth redistribution, right? The ability to try to have a pretty generous discussion about past wrongs against people of color, against immigrants, against African-Americans, against women, against female employees by male bosses. It's a big range, right? Against the LGBTQ plus community by, by the society, whatever you want to say, you know, children in the church, lots and lots of things. We started to try to have those difficult conversations. And now we have a mass movement led by Donald Trump to say, you can't tell us that. It's either not true or we won't hear it even if it is true. And that's a very volatile moment because we're trying to make some long overdue progress and there's a big force trying to push that back down. That's the battle of the moment, right? To me, I'll tell you this, and I don't say this with any disrespect. Obviously, I'm friendly with your esteemed brother who's in Congress, okay? But I don't think politicians make decisions. Politicians figure out how to survive in their career against the pressures they get from voters and special interests and activists and donors. I think we rest way too much in vilifying and disliking politicians, right? And some of them I dislike too, but you don't, if you make a devil, you have to fight the devil. Mm. Does anyone want to respond? White, Ari? Yeah, Ari? You know, one thought here. And, yeah. Yeah, one, one thought here, and uh, good morning, Max. Um, good morning. Uh, on it. Um, you know, uh, you know, a lot of. We've got two minutes. Here, um, the We've got two minutes. But I did want to, uh, you know, talk about like one thing, which is, you know, you mentioned that you don't know why this is a Joe Biden story. And I agree with that on a lot of levels that this is a larger story about, you know, Democrats is a larger story about, you know, how our American politics work and, you know, where there's dialectics and like where there aren't and, and all that. But I think like one of the reasons is a Joe Biden story is because we're all genuinely scared that he can't win. And that yeah. he's not taking any of the steps to do that. And, you know, executive power isn't nothing. You know, there's a no, lot of things fighting sure. could be doing right now to, you know, give himself better chances and all of this, like, right now. So I think, like, what we're seeing right now is a, you know, both a progressive, you know, wing of the Democratic Party as well as the majority of the Democratic Party looking at Biden and being like, you know, what are you going to do to win this thing? Like, and I think, you know, one Tell of the me things, as and, one of them. Tell me 100% yeah, right. in agreement with you. Yeah, I, I fit that mold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. And so, you know, I think, you know, that, that's the big question for me here is like, is Biden going to do anything to turn this around? Is, um, you know, is he going to, 
recognized is the Democratic Party recognized? Is, are the consultants, are the operatives, are you know the polling yeah. firms all going to recognize that at some point that we're at a crisis level? And I keep no. wondering, like, what? We know they're not. Like, we saw this right? movie before. <laughs> Right, right, of course. So, like, you know, most of the train has left the station, right? And so it's like, so at this point, if the train has left the station, it's, you know, what are we going to do? How can we organize? And, you know, what formation can we possibly make right now to both move forward in any sort of possible imaginative ways, but also in many ways to brace ourselves and also, you know, organize on how to be on, you know, the offensive if there is a Trump presidency. And the big thing I'm honestly scared about in a lot of ways is that, you know, however anyone feels about Gaza um, right now, I think it's just absolutely clear that the, that the left in the United States is exhausted. They're exhausted right now. Like, you know, the left was exhausted after the first Trump presidency. I'm not sure we ever got over that exhaustion and burnout or hit with Gaza again. And I'm genuinely, like, worried about whether or not okay. the left is I going think the to be in any formation. I think a financial crisis, a Trump, Hold on. Financial crisis, Trump presidency, COVID, it's a lot, right? Yeah, okay. I mean, I think, I forgot who said it on the call, but, you know, talking about survival here and that folks are in free fall. And mm-hmm. I, I, I just think that's absolutely on point. Well, just stay right there. You know, we're going to talk a little bit offline here. But everybody, this is a conversation that's necessary. That's necessary. Democrats are going to have to pull it together. But you know what? I think we're going to have to pull it together and make the country work for all of us. We have to make it work. We're the ones that we're waiting on. Let's make it happen, everybody. I love you. Can't wait to be with you tomorrow on the Santita Jackson Show. Natasha and Dwight, Daryl, Todd, Ari, Max, love you. Thank you, Henry, for a great show. See you tomorrow.